It is time now to welcome in Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property water costs or call 877-346-3333. Christian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I told Jake this. What do I owe the honor to speak to the original Godfathers here? So, <laughs> it's been a while, Christian. Yeah, for sure. Two words: Rose Bowl. Listen, I can't. I think everybody, as we started the season, there's no way we believed that they could turn it around. I think it sums up who Kyle Whittingham is uh, with those two words. Um, Obviously dealing with tragic deaths and two deaths and basically a calendar year coming up on Ty Jordan's, uh, you know, Christmas Day uh, tragic accident. Um, It just kind of embodies what the University of Utah is and has been for the last 20 years, starting with, you know, Ron McBride. But I I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and just talk through you know, what's in the present, but people forget very quickly what 2012, 2013, what 2014 seasons were like and how Utah fans were kind of unhappy with the progress. But Kyle has not only led Utah through the Mountain West to the top, uh, defeated Alabama, the Sugar Bowl, uh, to transitioning in the Pac-12 to becoming the best team in the Pac-12. And not only being the best team in the Pac-12, but defeating a top-10 team like Oregon twice in basically two weeks, outscoring them 76-17, to 17, just shows that the program is uh, built correctly, where you have all these other schools across the country that are just trying to swap out people. And what comes to my mind is, and people don't remember this, in 2010, I think it was my senior year, the summer before, Tennessee was coming at him very, very hot, and Kyle declined it, which is pretty crazy to think that he would decline an SEC offer in Tennessee. And he's a man of loyalty and production, and uh, couldn't be happier for all of the people up there Sharif, Morgan Scally, Lewis Powell, Sione Puha. But the players are who made it happen, and uh, the program is just churning out the same types of types of players, personas. They're just more athletic, but they all have that same level of grit, determination, and unprovenness that, like a Devin Lloyd, who was a one or a two star, is now the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and it's probably be a top ten draft pick. So, there really is a recipe that works up there. Um, I know the secret sauce. You guys know the secret sauce. It's the same secret sauce that Bill Belichick runs in New England as well. It's it's pretty incredible to see what what a, a quality program, and if it's run co- correctly and has the right type of leadership and people. They want to progress, and so Utah's given folks that opportunity to progress up through their program. All right, Christian. We've been doing this radio show for 20 years, and this is a first, and I've known you for a long time. After that, whatever you would call it, mission statement of the football program, I literally have no questions for you because you started at A and you covered every single thing that makes this program what it is right down to Z. That might have been right there the best statement of any guest we've ever had defining why a program is successful and what a program is. 
I mean, I literally don't know where to go now because you just covered everything that needed to be covered. No joke. I am dead serious here. You checked off all the boxes as to why this University of Utah football program is in the position it is, and you did it in one statement. I'm done here. Hey, I mean, you literally covered everything about the only thing that I could throw at you. And that was a phenomenal statement. I'm I am dead serious. And DJ will vouch for me. I'm dead serious because he you, is serious. You, but I still got questions. I, the one thing that okay. came to my mind was, OK, you had an experience with Belichick and you sort of just put it, Belichick in there and you didn't randomly put him in there because you were with him for a, uh, a period of time. So what I would ask you then to compare and contrast these two marvelous football coaches. And when you're a football coach, it's not just uh, coaching on a Saturday. It is literally running a program 365 days a year, one at the professional level, one at the high level of college. So what do you see in those two that is common? And are there any differences that you see? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot, actually. When it comes to Bill and Kyle, there's also a third person I throw in there. Just just my coaching tree, right? I, I've had the privilege of playing under some amazing coaches. I played under a guy named Larry Wall at, at uh, Bountiful High School. The stadium's named after him. Uh, he produced products like Cam Jensen, Mike Wright, Brady Christensen, uh, lots of quality players. Aaron Roderick, ironically, played for him. Uh, but when you talk about Kyle and Bill and Larry Wall, all three of them have similarities. And the similarities are this. They are probably the most three consistent humans I've ever seen. When you talk about being on time, doing things the right way, and these aren't like abstract, you know, things that are off course. These are the simple, tiny things that separate the consistent winning programs versus the programs that don't win or your Miami Dolphins, or whatever it may be. But Bill Belichick was the most consistent coach. Uh, Kyle is the most consistent coach. And they demand uh, consistency and perfection from not only their players, but their coaches. And somehow they have a knack for looking at someone who's uh, balanced in their talent. Like Coach Belichick would say, hey, the, the value you can add to the team is being multidimensional. And the example of that was in 2011 when I was there, I was hurt, I was on IR, I broke my neck. Uh, but Julian Edelman was backing up a guy named Wes Welker. Uh, Julian Edelman wasn't even playing. He was he was taking putt returns and playing backup corner through the middle of that year. He had to play corner. He had to play, he had to get some time. And if they weren't developing, you know, seventh round draft pick, undrafted free agents to be ready to play, you wouldn't get the opportunity like Julian Edelman did to, to be such a star. And he was he, honestly going one-on-one against Julian Edelman versus Wes Welker trying to tackle. Like Edelman was so nifty in space. He was like impossible to tackle. You knew he was the better guy, but he was, he was paying his dues in his time. And Kyle's done the same thing. And same with Morgan Scally and Shreve Shaw. They have an eye for talent and putting guys behind him to progress. Like Cody Barton was the starting linebacker. So was Chase Hansen. But they saw something in Devin Lloyd a lot of years ago. But let's not take credit away from Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is the one who showed up to practice every single day, did extra work, did the 6 a.m. workouts, and progressed year after year after year. And what it says to me, the fact that all those seniors wanted to return, like Nick Ford, Devin Lloyd, and a bunch of the rest of the crew, shows how, 
how good they were with the leadership and they wanted something to prove. And we're in a day of, of uh, personal gratification and taking the easy way out. It would have been easy for him to take a, be a third round draft pick and go make a couple million bucks. But he saw the greater vision. And when it got hard, I think this is what's so neat about this team. Uh, it was obviously very emotional the first four games of the season, but they had every, they had every excuse to phone it in the season. They weren't where they wanted to be. Uh, they're giving up a lot of sacks. Charlie Brewer was a flop. They couldn't run the ball with him. He was a thrower and he was getting sacked all the time. But this team, instead of running from their problems, they leaned into them and solved them and, and it binded them together. I think that's one of the neatest stories about this year. And I compare it also back to the days of the Sugar Bowl in 2009, which feels like forever ago. That's 13 years ago, or I guess, yeah, 12 years ago. Uh, they all have that same common leadership thread, and you can hear it in Kyle's voice how much it means to him. In life and succeeding, you have to have a greater purpose. You have to have a reason why you're doing things, and this team found what their reason was. It was for those two, their two teammates, but incredible what they did this year. So, Christian, one of my questions for you was the defensive line got pushed around multiple times in multiple games, most noticeably against BYU and Oregon State, but there were other times in other games where they were given ground too. Why were they able to turn that around? How did they turn that around? Kyle was talking about some of the guys are freshmen. They just aren't big enough yet. So it wasn't something that I thought was going to be turned around this season, and yet they seem to have fixed it. Yeah, that's Lewis Powell, that's Sione Puha, that's Coach Whittingham's Morgan Scally. It's, you know, Van Fillinger, he's young. He started to settle in. Tennessee Kututau off the bench was really stepped up. Uh, obviously, Tafuna, he had a massive fumble recovery in that Oregon State game. And then Mika Tafua really blossomed. Uh, we wonder where he was the first few games. But just as a defender, and you guys know this, it is really hard to play defense when your offense isn't moving the ball or being complimentary at all. They weren't scoring. They weren't uh, getting third down completions. And so, especially against BYU, San Diego State, they were kind of stuck out there. And uh, it's hard to play ball that way. And uh, really, the, the I'd say the, the key that unlocked the door was obviously the thing that everyone knows is swapping in Cam Rising plugging in some actual passion, energy, and the team believed him. If they if they voted him team captain, you know what that says? They saw him every day in, in camp. They saw him every day in practice. They saw what he did in, in, in workouts. And so once they put him in, and, and obviously the fumble issues got, you know, went away, Tavion Thomas has had a heck of a year. The offense became one of the strongest offenses in Utah history, and that's saying a lot. Uh, in a short eight weeks, uh, they are, they found their identity was very clear. They were going to run the ball, be physical, and these three tight ends uh, were unreal. Grant Keefe, uh, Kincaid, and Fotheringham, they all were balanced. They all played their own role. They're all different. And then that also opened up uh, the receiving core. Obviously, Ennis and Britton Covey, uh, but uh, Vele really bursts onto the scene and. Uh, that's really what, and again, that's a, a roundabout answer. A better offense is what energized the defense, and the defensive line uh, settled in, played with more technique, and you got better production off the edge, and they started blitzing Devin Lloyd quite a bit on that right end. Do you think we finally, I don't know if it's out there, but for some it might be, but we finally put the uh, thought of Kyle Whittingham being an underrated coach to bed? I, I don't know what else more you want. 
<laughs> I, 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 I just go back to, I, I just, I, it's crystallized in my mind. I, I just got back playing in the NFL. I was injured trying to get back in the league. I was covering uh, Utah games pre and post with Hans Olsen. And yeah. I remember the rumblings of people saying that Kyle wasn't good enough. And I, I was just like, are you guys insane? <laughs> and there was the, the weirdness of a potential swap out and, and Dr. Hill just, I think Dr. Hill valued him the way he should have. And the one thing you'll get in Kyle, and it's one of those things that <clears throat> uh, once you earn his respect, uh, you're in, you're in the house with him. And it, and it takes a lot to earn Kyle's respect. You guys know this. Yeah. And uh, it takes consistency, effort, commitment, work ethic, no other way. You don't get it through talking. You get it through deliverable and results. And uh, Kyle, like Bill Belichick, is the one of the most consistent, demanding of perfection in the right ways of a coach. And that's what you want from a head coach. And all of these players just you embody that. You embody your 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 leader. You embody the captain at the top. And uh, I I don't know what more you want. He, he could he go to the NFL and coach? Yes. Uh, does he want to do that? Did he want to do that? Probably. But at this point, he's a legend. Like he's he is uh, he is stadium worthy in my opinion um he's you know growing up locally in the valley right you looked at a lavelle edwards now i have perspective he did that for you know decades kyle's done it for almost two decades now yep and uh if he wins the rose bowl he's three and oh and and bcs or i guess new year's six championships and has built a phenomenal program i just i echo this to utah fans Look at what happened to Tennessee when once Philip Fulmer left. Yep. Like, do you want to be Tennessee football? Uh, so it, it's just one of those moments you, you soak it in and you look at a high-powered school like Oregon. Well, now what are you going to do? You have to replace another coach, your third coach, in basically five years um, where you've had consistency with Kyle Whittingham. So um, I think this is a, a, the perfect step in the right direction. Uh, would I would I want him to stay for the next five years selfishly? Yes. Do I want to see Utah in a college football playoff? Absolutely. Who doesn't? Uh, but we've just got to be grateful for what we have. And this has been a very special season, and it's going to be a really historic matchup against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And that's what you grow up watching, and you got it. So I don't, I don't know where we could ask for as fans. So I want to ask you about that matchup with Ohio State. We've all seen them just torch teams. We know why they're favored. We know how many years they've been good for. If you watch their games this year, they've got three awesome receivers. So we all know how the Utes could lose this game. We can all see the scenario where they get beat. But the two times Ohio State has lost this year, they gave up 269 yards rushing to Oregon. And they gave up 297 yards rushing to Michigan. Can Utah just line up, be the bully, push him around, run for a huge number, score a bunch of points, and keep that offense out of rhythm over on the other sideline and win the game? You're getting me drooling over here, uh, DJ. That, that's, that, that'd be my exact argument. As you look at the full body of work, it's hard to compare the second game of the season because you're still figuring yourself out. Like Even if Utah lined up against San Diego State again or BYU, would it be a different game? Yeah, you don't get to live in the past. But there is something to be said with the physical nature of pushing a spread offense around. And candidly, you know, why we predicted a a victory against Oregon was Utah is not only just physical. We've just been more physical in the past. 
Utah has more athleticism and speed now, and their schemes are very, very strong. They're very, very balanced. And uh, it'll be a really good matchup. It'll be very interesting, uh, you know, if, if Utah can come out and play the style that they've played all year. I, I see it being a very tight matchup with an edge towards Utah. I, I just don't think Ohio State has, has played um, someone as physical as Utah, save possibly Michigan. But I don't know if the speed of – I think I would favor the speed of Utah a bit over Michigan. Michigan's a classic, just Big Ten uh, physical team and has you know great running backs as well. So I think the, the blueprints in front of you with, with both of those victories. And Oregon back then, they had, they had Verdell who ran like crazy and had some big runs in that game. So I would, I would give the edge to Utah, um, again, being biased, of course. Yeah. Well, Christian, on behalf of the station and particularly our show, I want to apologize for not having you on more often because this, in my 20 years, I could easily rank this as a top five interview of all time. What? PJ, what? Are you just making my day? Are you just in the Christmas spirit? I'm used to some song of some sort. But like, wow, thanks, PJ. No, no. I base it on results just like Whittingham and Belichick and the result of this interview and the answers that you gave and the in-depth answers, long answers without rambling. That is a skill. I mean, I was listening. I did not tune out. DJ, who has no attention span, was not looking up some mindless, stupid stat on the Internet like he often does and repeats my questions because he doesn't pay attention. He didn't even do that. We were Butterfly, to- we were, shiny thing. We were totally locked in to every freaking word you said because you were on point. It was, And I'm not blowing smoke here, Christian. This was absolutely incredible. Well, thanks, PK. You guys have me on any time. Honestly, I didn't bring up having you on to Jake because you I thought you were Gordon's guy for a long time. And now uh, I, you're available. I'm, all, I'm Expect available. a phone call. I'm available to all. I'm Hans's guy. I'm Scotty's guy. I'm everybody's guy. All so right. Whatever there okay. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Christian. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman, join us right here on The Zone. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. I've done a lot of radio work with him over the years when he used to do it. Uh, but I am not joking. That was a phenomenal answer. You're right about the long answers without rambling. Yes. I mean, it was like one <laughs> point provoked another point provoked another point. And we've asked lots of people who, when you ask something, and I'm famous for saying two things, right? But I don't usually get past the second or third point. But he had an answer that had six points. And although I still had more questions, I got your point. And he did check off a lot of potential questions right there. I don't need to ask about that or that or that. <laughs> I mean, I still wanted to ask him who was going to win the Rose Bowl. He didn't answer that. But I favored uh, Utah. Uh, the uh, and, and he was a member when they played that TCU game, and it was a big game. It was a Saturday oh, yeah. afternoon. I think it was the yeah. gal who took over top in the stands. There was that. Day. It was a huge and, matchup. And, I think they were both undefeated. That TCU team was really, really good. That, I mean, it's just was awesome. it the team that run the won the Rose Bowl or played it, that Fiesta Bowl? They I, were in two I BCS. I think it was games. Fiesta, but I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, but they were really good. Many, many pros. And, and they I just remember him at the <laughs> the interview after he says, "Well." I know my bishop's going to be mad, but we got our ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just remember him saying that. And you're in a setting where you just can't burst out laughing, but I wanted to because I thought, this guy always, even as a kid, so to speak, as a college player, told it like it was, or in this case, telling it like it is. DJ and PK, Bowler's coming up in about 20 minutes. Jazz in Minnesota tonight. Stay with us right here on The Zone Sports Network.